Um, I, I, just, I just wrote down some thoughts this week on Thursday, thinking about you. Matthew 25 is, is um, and this story is a very, very key reality in my life, and I've never preached on it. And um, I just thought, man, I want you to know this stuff. Some, sometimes as a preacher, you forget that you know things and, and live by principles that you just haven't shared with your church yet. And so I really do believe that this is going to be a game changer day for you. I think God's going to say some things to you today that are going to help you. You're going to have some aha moments. Anybody ready for one of those? Some, uh, oh, that's what I need. Okay, I got my answer. So um, it's going to be that kind of day. Matthew 25, again, and the reason Jesus says again is because he's telling stories about the kingdom. Matthew 25 starts with the kingdom of God is like. Um, maybe you've heard that phrase. Who has heard the phrase the kingdom of God? Anybody heard that phrase? We've, we've prayed that prayer from the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come. We've heard the kingdom of God. We don't know what that means. Well, Jesus spends a lot of his teaching ministry defining, explaining, and showing us the kingdom. He does it through parables. He gives us a story that shows us how the kingdom works. So, a lot of citizens in the kingdom never get results in the kingdom because they don't know the laws of the kingdom. Hey. And so your ignorance is not helping you. Ignorance is not bliss in reality. And it's not bliss in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is governed by a king who has laws and has rules and has ideas and has a way that he wants things done. He has patterns. And so you got to know how the kingdom works. So again, the kingdom is like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He gave one five bags of gold. Maybe you've read this in an older translation, King James, New King James. It says talents. But I like the NIV better because a talent is a sum of money. It wasn't like a talent like, you know, you can sing or something. It's, it's an actual amount of money. Yeah. Bags of gold, another two bags, and another one, according to their ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once. He put his money to work and gained five more. The same thing happened with the man with two. Uh, but the one who received one, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master said, Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, the same thing happens with the man with the two bags of gold. It says the same thing, but the man with one, this is verse 24. He said, I knew you were a hard man. Think about this. I knew you were a hard man. Well, he didn't know that. And, a, and a, from the first 10 verses we just read, he's not a hard man. He's a generous man. He's a kind man. Give me an amen, somebody. So, so it's never good to start conversations with Jesus with accusations. <laughs> never really goes well in Scripture. Okay. So, so and, be, and because of this, um, A.W. Tozer said that what you think about God is the most important thing about you. So his, his view of the master ruined his life. Frankly, that's why you got to be in a good church. And we're not the only good church in town, but you need to be in a good church that helps you see who Jesus is. 
because your view of him will directly affect your life. Okay, so this man didn't go to City Light, obviously, because he didn't have good Bible teaching. Um, I knew you were a hard man harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you didn't scatter seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. Here is what belongs to you. So he gives them back what he was given. And the master did not go, hey, thanks. You held on to it. Nope. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. Think about that. The man didn't say, hey, I got that bag of gold. I went down to the casino. I was feeling lucky. I'm so sorry. Big mistake. I lost. That's not what he says. He didn't say, I bought crypto at 60,000. I'm so sorry, Lord. No, that's not what he says. We're praying for you. Amen. Amen. He, he, he says, sir, I, I, I'm giving it back in the measure that you gave it to me. Jesus calls that wicked and lazy. You should have at least put my money in the bank on deposit. You could have returned something, got some kind of interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Wow. For whoever has, uh, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they do have will be taken from them. That's just a little kingdom principle. I don't have time to teach it. But if you go around saying you have nothing, number one, it's a lie. Number two, what you do have will be taken from you. You'll lose it or you'll squander it. So he had, but he said he didn't have. Therefore, what he did have got taken from him. Throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me just say this real quick. The theologian Warren Wiersbe says this is not speaking of hell, but it's speaking of a place of ignorance and fruitlessness. It's a dark place in the life of the believer where they're no longer fulfilling. They're outside of the purpose of God, the plan of God, and the will of God. Frankly, there are a lot of Christians who will go to heaven, but they'll be outside of the will of God until they get there. They'll, they'll live their life in darkness when they were supposed to live their, light, their life in the light. They don't live by revelation and by knowledge and by truth. They live by fear and therefore live their whole life in darkness and in ignorance. How many think this is probably a series, huh? This probably isn't a one. But, but so let me, let me, I'm just going to talk for a couple of minutes today from this subject. Multiply, multiply, multiply. God's will is for you to multiply. Father, thank you for this moment. I pray you speak now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen Amen and amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you to the worship team, by the way. So good to have Vanya back. I said in the first service that Vanya and Freddie had a baby. Um, Vanya had a baby. Freddie cheered her on. They got a beautiful little boy. What's his name? Camilo. What a great name. Do we have a nickname? Milo? Oh, man. A little sweetheart. Good to, good to have y'all back in the... Good to have her back. Okay. The first commandment of God, if I asked you what was the first thing God ever commanded his people to do, what was his first conversation with Adam, most people would say, don't eat the fruit. By the way, this is important because your theology is determining your life, your view of God. So if your view of God is that his first words to man are no. See, when I, when I was handed Goldie from the nurses, I didn't look at her and go, no. 
Can you imagine? Just stop. Whatever you got planned, cut it out. I didn't say that. You know my first words to my daughter? She looks just like me. Those are literally the first words. It was more shock than... But it was good to know that it was my kid. You know? <laughs> you know? Amen, amen. So, um, um, th- those aren't his first words. Here's his first command. Hey, Adam, all this is yours. Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. See, the reason Adam ate the fruit is because he wasn't obeying fruitful and multiply. He wasn't busy doing what God told him to do. Therefore, he had the boredom to listen to what Satan would have him do. Boredom is a killer. Rest is a weapon, but boredom is a killer. And finding the balance is very difficult. Oh, my God. I feel the anointing on me right now. I said rest is a weapon, but boredom is a killer. And finding the balance. And, and if he would have taken dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. So Eve should have said, hey, babe, come here. This, this uh, snake's talking to me. And he should have just taken dominion and Get out of my garden, bruh. But he didn't. Like for me, like I'm, I'm too busy to sin. <laughs> I'm too tired to sin. I look at these guys cheating on their wives. I'm like, how do you have the energy to have another life? You got multiple phones and numbers. And I'm like, I'm trying to write people back. It took me a week to call D back the other day. I said, can we talk right now? I got a window right now. Can't imagine having a side piece. I'm like, gee, how do you even emotionally? If he would have been busy doing what God called him to do, he, would have been, he, would have, he wouldn't have had the time to entertain the lies of the enemy. So, so God gives them a garden, and watch this, he gives you a garden, because a garden is a place of opportunity. I want, you to, I want you to multiply in it. I want you to be fruitful in it. I want you to tend it. I want you to defend it. I want you to produce in it. I want you to work it. This is God's picture of our life, the presence of God and the voice of God, the presence of an enemy and the voice of an enemy. Opportunity to multiply, opportunity to rebel. Opportunity to walk with God in the cool of the day, opportunity to entertain the lies of the enemy. This is our entire life. Opportunity to be founded and grounded in what God has said over me and to protect that. Or an opportunity to just. Because you're in a garden right now. You go, no, I'm in a desert. No, you're in a garden. We just, our plants are cacti. <laughs> but we're in a garden. Your marriage is a garden. Your business is a garden. Your mind is a garden. Your soul is a garden. And the promise of God is you can multiply in this garden. You can, you can produce fruit in this garden. You're, you're going to have to protect this garden, but, but this, I'm trusting you with this. Think about what a garden is. It has to be tended. It has to be cared for. It has to be watered. It has to be... And this is what God gives to his people. I'm going to give you something, 
And I want you to multiply that something. I want you to grow that something. I want you to enlarge that something. I want you to defend that something. So here's what you need to know about the kingdom of God. Number one, God is a giver. Yes. Talking about the kingdom of God, this king is a giver. He, he, he gave to his servants. He entrusted to his servants wealth. That's who God is. Most famous passage of scripture in all of scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave. If you want to know how God responds to you, how God talks to you, how God thinks of you, he loves you and he gives to you. Yes. Yes. This is what God does in our life. Yeah. Jabin, simply define what God does in my life. He loves me and he gives to me. That's what he does for you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going, no, he don't. He might love me kind of, but he definitely doesn't give to me because look at my life. No, here's, here's what I'm going to submit to you today. He is giving to you. He's just giving to you in a form that you do not recognize. So here's how he gives to us. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Mark, Mark 426. Here's what the kingdom looks like. The kingdom is like seed. And that's why most of you don't recognize the move of God in your life, the voice of God in your life, the purpose of God in your life, the call of God on your life. Because when the kingdom shows up, it doesn't show up like Air Force One coming in with secret service and limousines and black cars and weapons and protection and earpieces and secret service and pomp and circumstance and red carpet. That's not how the kingdom shows up. The kingdom shows up in our life hidden, small. Unimpressive like this sermon, I guess. The work of God always begins smaller than you think. And we often miss out on what God has for us because it comes in a package we do not recognize. So I say kingdom and you have thoughts of the royal palace in London. God says kingdom and he's thinking about seed. And we usually miss the kingdom because we're looking for palaces. We're looking for royalty and God's sowing seed. And therefore we do not recognize what he's doing in our life right now. We're looking for crowns. He's giving us a cross. We're looking for elevation and he's offering us humility. We're looking to reap. He's calling us to sow. That's the, ki that's the kingdom. It's upside down. It's backward. It don't, it, don't look like, it don't look like the corporate ladder of success. And so a lot of times we miss it. Think about, think about what God told uh, Moses, this is uh, Exodus, I didn't give it to him, but Exodus 16, 31, God says, uh, hey, Moses, you, you go ahead and tell the people we, you're going to eat bread tomorrow, and the people rejoice. Amen. Every carb lover rejoices. <laughs> Praise God. They're going to have bread in the morning. Children of Israel are hungry. They're frustrated. They want bread. They want some comfort food. And so Moses tells the people, relax, you're going to have bread in the morning. They wake up in the morning, and they walk outside, and, and watch what they call it. The, they called it. Not God. God never called it this. They call it. They called it manna. God didn't call it manna. God never said manna's coming. He said bread's coming. Wow. They called it manna because it looked like coriander seed. Mm. 
we think of manna, right? We wake up, I mean, we, we have this Bible story of manna. So we think that they woke up to like packs and just stacks of warm pita bread. Come on, somebody. I don't know. Is that what they eat? Hey, man, pita bread, tortillas. Hey, man, come on, somebody. Rolls, biscuits. Okay, that's what, that's what we think they woke up. They didn't. They woke up and they went, manna. Manna is a Hebrew word. It's actually a phrase. Manna means what is it? They're looking at the answer to their prayer and they can't recognize it because it came in seed form. Because they were supposed to take that coriander, it looked like coriander seed. They were supposed to take that, bring it back into their house and they were supposed to meal it. They were supposed to turn it into flour and then they were supposed to bake the bread. God goes, I don't make bread, I make seed. You make... I'm so glad to be home. I hope you're, I hope you're happy because we look at our marriage and go, manna, what is this? Because God said, no, you got to work the marriage. You look at your business and you go, manna, you're looking at the economy right now going, manna, you're looking at, you're, you're looking at your mental health going, manna, you're going, what is it? And God's going, nope, you, you, you got to, there's a work I'm giving you seed, but you have to turn it into something. So God gives us opportunities and gifts and talents. He gives us the word of God. He gives us dreams and visions. He gives us purpose all in seed form. I'm going to give you a, a reality of my life that might be true for you. I think it probably is, even though it's going to be hard to hear. God usually answers my prayers with ideas, instructions, and commands. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> God usually answers my prayer. That's my testimony. It's not a great one. It's not fun. But it's my testimony. With ideas, instructions, and commands. Now, now I believe in miracles. But I've, I've noticed in my own life, God's answers for me are ideas, instructions, and commands. That's about 98% of the time. About 2% of the time, God gives me a miracle, but it's rare. Now, if you need a miracle, we're going to believe God with you. Miracles are necessary. Miracles are needed. God performs miracles. You might be facing something physically in your body right now. You might be facing an illness, a a doctor's report. We're believing with you. We believe God for miracles, and God is a miracle worker. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm just saying most of what he does in your life on uh, on a development level is with prayers and is with instructions and ideas and commands. Most of what God does in our life is in seed form. (laughs) Bishop Jake said, God's never made a chair, just trees. And most of us are praying for chairs, ignoring the trees. We're in a garden, we're in a garden, we're in a garden. Ignoring the trees, praying for a chair. Wish I had somewhere to sit. God goes, I gave you trees. I don't make chairs, I make trees. You make chairs. God, I need a table. You make, I don't make tables. I make, I'll, I'll prepare food on the table in the presence of your enemies, but you got to make the table. I make trees. You make tables. 
God fixed this thing. No, I'm going to give you an instruction. God fixed my wife. Now I'm going to give you an instruction. God fixed my kid. Now I'm going to give you an instruction. God fixed my business. I'm going to give you an instruction. God killed my boss. No, just kidding. No, don't do that. I'm going to give you an instruction. God fixed the government. Now I'm going to give you an instruction. I, I don't have a lot of faith. I'm just going to tell you, I'm still praying for my leaders. Amen. But I don't like, I'm, I'm, here's my prayer. God, give me a strategy for this economy. Give me a strategy for the moral decline in our nation. Give me a strategy on how to educate my child. I'm praying for the government, but it's like, Lord, bless them. And then I'm going, now talk to me because I need an idea and I need strategy and I need a command. Because if I just pray for them, I'm going to get real discouraged. I'm going to start calling down fire. So I need to pray for me because God, you, you said you can prosper me in a famine. You can prosper me in hard times. You can, you can make a way for me. You can, you can provide for me in Babylon. Come on, somebody. So, so, so God is a giver, but he gives seed. Number two, you must steward whatever he trusts you with. He entrusted them with something. And here's what the first two servants do. They, they bring it back multiplied. You gave me five, I'm giving you back 10. You gave me two, I'm giving you back four. And that is the responsibility of the believer. It is God's responsibility to sow seed. It's our responsibility to do something with it. Steward, this little word steward, a person responsible for the goods of another. To be a steward in the kingdom of God is to take responsibility for the goods of another, the, the gifts, the callings, the provision of God, the opportunities God gives me. Here's a, here's a few little, again, just little kingdom realities I want to help you with. God gave to them with a desired outcome. But he didn't tell them his desired outcome. Well, if God just tells me, I'll, no, you just steward. He'll decide how much harvest you get, but you have to decide to steward it. The master never told them what to do with the money. Yet he had a clear expectation. Is this making sense to you? Because a lot of you are praying for outcomes instead of stewarding your current opportunity. I'm going to say that one more time. You're praying for an outcome instead of stewarding your current opportunity. I'm just, this is how the kingdom works. I know it's not fun. That's why people don't preach it. But this is how the kingdom works. Does that make sense? Stewardship is all about trading what you want now for what you want most. That's stewardship. There's some things I want now. But there's some things that are more important to me that I want most. So I'm going to make decisions not for what I want now, but for what I want most. And usually what I want most, I don't have right now. Therefore, I am stewarding a little and not spending or hiding, but multiplying what I do have for what I want most. There's some things I want now, but I can't have them now. 
because of what I want most. Let me give you some examples. Uh, finances, set a budget, create margin, live below your means, plan for your future, be generous. God will honor that. Okay. I don't want to do any of those things now. I want a new car. I want bling. I want, I want the new shoe drop. I want the new this. I want the new that. I want the vacation. I want the this. I want the, I don't want to set a budget. I don't want to create margin. I want God to open the windows of heaven. Ah! <laughs> not going to go out to eat. I'm not, I'm, and all that doesn't sound fun. Can I just tell you, I, I live all of those things yeah. and I don't, and I'm 38 and I still I love it because of the results, but it's, it's still not fun. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this is still not, setting a budget at, at it's still not fun. Living below my means at my level is still not fun. We could, we could go buy a new house. We could go buy new this. We, could, we live way below our means, not because of what I want now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Very good. I'm wearing an H&M shirt. I think I make it. It's the, it's the creation that makes it look good. Amen. It's not the. Y'all thought this was YSL or Dior, Nordstrom, Neiman Martin. No, it's H and M. It's a fourteen ninety nine. Because I'm living below my means. So I could go to I could go down and buy whatever I want, but I don't. Because money is not about bling. Money is not about stuff. Please never forget. If you don't hear another thing I said, that's probably not the best thing to remember because I'm going to talk about Jesus, but never forget this too. Money's about freedom. Money's about deciding where I want to live, where I want my kids to be educated, the kind of life that we want to give to the next. It's about freedom. It's about giving as the Holy Spirit leads me. It's about freedom. That's what money is about. Money's not about stuff. Because if you get a lot of money and spend it all on stuff, you're still not free. I'm stewarding what I want now for what I want most. So what I want most, I have a goal of what I want to give my daughter. I have a goal for what I want to do for her wedding. I have a goal. I have a thought of what I want to give her for her wedding gift. I have, I have, I got goals. And none of what I want most lines up with what I want now. Because I want shoes now, and I want another putter now, just in case. Just in case the blade ain't working. I just want another, just in case. I want. Am I, is this okay? Is this? My marriage. What, what are you doing to invest in your marriage? I know what you want now. Right now, you want a divorce. That's what you want right now. And, and for some of you, that's, you're, you're at that stage where that actually does need to happen. But I'm talking about in just, in generalities, your marriage gets a little cold. It's like, I'm done. That's what you want now. That's not what you want most. What you want most is a testimony. What you want most is a story for your children. What you want most is we fought for it and we made it happen. Now, again, that takes two. So there's no condemnation for anyone who's had a divorce, going through a divorce. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the grind of a normal marriage, there's going to be times that what you want now is not what you want most. Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing to invest in your marriage? A date night? What's that going to do? It's going to do a lot. Counseling? What's that going to do? It's going to do a lot. If you're honest, 
I was talking to a friend yesterday who was a, a pastor. He was opening up about his marriage. They're going through a rough time. I said, you need to go to counseling. He goes, we're going. I said, are you telling them this? He goes, oh, no, absolutely not. I said, Doc. so what happens? So in counseling, you just kind of, that's that song. I said, you can, the next time you go to counseling, you need to walk in that office and drop a nuke. Because you guys got to move past this. Oh, man, it's going to be so much work. Yeah, it's, it's about what you want. What do you want most? Well, I want to make the marriage work. Okay, cool. Then you don't get to choose what you want now. You got to choose what you want most. Gifts and talents. How are you growing? What books are you reading? Who are you hanging around? What are you doing to improve your life? What are you doing to grow in your ability? Relationships. And I want to talk specifically about leading people to Christ. Who are you telling your testimony to? Who are you inviting to church? Who are you telling about Jesus? Who knows you're a Christian? Or do people just think you're one of them at work? Well, I don't want to be judgy. You're not being judgy by inviting someone to church. By loving someone, by offering to pray for someone, by encouraging someone. We're not judging anybody. We're not, we're not telling anybody that they're terrible people. We're telling them that there's a God in heaven who loves them. His name is Jesus. And we, and we want them to know this, this walk we have with God. Are you, are you stewarding that? Or if you left that place of employment, would anybody know that you're a follower of Christ? Talking about stewardship. I got to steward the opportunities God has given me. What are you currently doing with your current opportunity? What am I currently doing with my current opportunity? Javen, I don't have any opportunity. Yeah, you do. It's just in seed form. What's in front of you? Don't, don't pray for harvest while ignoring the seed. What are you currently God's a God of stewardship. And, and by the way, for some of you that have taken the jump into tithing and giving, it is tithing and stewardship partnered that brings financial blessing. It's not, ju it's not just one or the other. So I know people who are really good stewards in a way, but they're totally scared and will not give God a dime. I know other people that are super generous, but they won't, they won't budget. It's when you do it together that God goes, I can trust them. Okay, lastly, little becomes much. Little becomes much. Little becomes much. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. The old King James says it like this. You were faithful in the little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. And though we don't like the little, <laughs> we will only enjoy the much if we steward the moment of a little. I'm going to say that one more time. Though we don't like the little, we will only enjoy the much if we steward the moment of a little. If, you're, if, you, if you haven't found peace yet, what makes you think that that's going to give you peace? If, if you haven't found joy yet, what makes you think that's going to bring you joy? I have to learn how to steward the little God has given me 
to show God that I can steward the much that God has given me. Lord, I, I, know, I'm not a bu- I know I can't set a budget on 50,000 a year, but Lord, if you'd give me 500,000 a year, I promise you I could show you how to, but no, you wouldn't. You would have a new car in the morning. You know, this happens to pro athletes, and it's crazy that we do that. We do this to 19-year-old boys that just got out of one year of college, and we hand them multi-million dollar contract. They don't know what they're... They just went off living off, you know, food from the school. <laughs> Takis, <laughs> JR says, Cheetos and cafeteria pizza. And then you hand them a $20 million contract. And that's why so many of these, these young men and young women, they, they go broke because they, 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 didn't even, they weren't even taught how to steward the little. And a lot of us are praying big prayers, but we're not willing to do little things. So here's what God says, Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. Do not despise small beginnings. I'll take a clap from somebody, an amen, a uh-huh. I'll take a cough, a sneeze, anything to get this crowd moving. Come on. Don't despise that. Don't talk down about it. Don't curse that. Don't roll your eyes at that. Don't shrug your shoulders at that. For the Lord rejoices in the work that began. I love it. You know, I'm so grateful for a full building. But the temptation for me is going, oh, this building's so small. Man, we got people everywhere. We got five services. We need six services. And I just, nope. I'm, I, man, I rejoice in this. Thank God. We got a full church. We don't know where to put people. We don't know where to park people. We don't know where to put your kids. Praise God. I'm going to be like the Lord, and I'm going to rejoice that a work has begun. I'm going to live that way. You gotta, it's only a small, but you got to rejoice in that. Oh, my husband asked me to go on a date. I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to make sure he knows I'm thankful. Amen. You can figure out how you want to express that gratitude, but. Wow, my, man, my wife honored me so much. I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to, well, she should be nice to me. Well, he should be good to me. Well, that, no, 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 I'm going to rejoice. It's a small thing, but I'm going to rejoice. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? It's, you got you to learn how to rejoice in the small. See, the one who only had the one bag of gold, he, he lost it because he didn't value it. He despised the smallness of his opportunity. We do the same thing. Well, if I had five bags of gold like him, well, man, if, he, if God would have given me two like him, well, man, I could have done something. But God just gave me this one little bag. I mean, what's this going to do? Well, if I, man, if I was raised in that house, well, man, if I had their parents, well, man, if I would have married that person, well, man, if I would have had their kids, well, man, if I would have had his job, well, man, if I would have had his gifts, well, God, if I was talented like them, well, man, if I was social like them, well, man, if I was good looking like them, well, man, if I was tall like them, well, man, if I was shorter like them, well, man, if I was... Well, if I had their hair, well, man, if I had that hair, well, man, if I had that, if I drove that car, if I, oh, come on. I tell myself, man, Lord, I'd look so good with the beard, Jesus. Why didn't you give me a beard, Jesus? If I grow a beard like Omar, well, man, Lord, I'd be even more anointed. I look like a prophet. What are we doing? We're despising our opportunity. Come on. 
Well, if, man, if, 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 if I would have had their parents, well, man, if I'd have had their job, well, man, if that person would have liked me, well, if that, listen, we're despising what God has given us, looking at everybody else. And, and Jesus says, you're going to miss out on what I have for you. Because whether God trusted you with five bags of gold or one bag of gold, no matter the situation you find yourself in, you can multiply. You can be fruitful, Adam, and you can multiply, and you can subdue, and you can take over. Because guess what, bro? If you would have just stewarded that one bag, it would have turned into two. And two would have turned into four, and four would have turned into eight, and eight would have turned into 16, and on and on. And before you know it, you would be where you want to be if you weren't despising the smallness of your opportunity. And it looks small, but it can't be small if it came from Jesus. Okay, you're seeing the size of the opportunity. He's looking at the size of the potential of the opportunity. But we despise small. And you know what? All you parents, we all do the same. All of us, we do the same thing. We're going to walk out there and some mom is going to be holding her little baby, her little infant. Just like I did with Vanya. And you walk up to that little boy, you go, oh. I remember when they were this age. I love this age. It was so cute at this age. Then you look over at your 16-year-old. We're going to talk after service. Oh, little baby, get talking. Got your little four-year-old gnawing on your thigh. You know, you're like, man, what did I do? Oh, my God. What if we could treat opportunity that way? Oh, I know it's small now, but it's cute. <laughs> and it's going to grow up big. And it's going to do something amazing. And so I'm not despising the smallness. I'm rejoicing in the smallness. And, you're, and as much as you want to complain about it, Jesus said, I'm going to give it to you according to your ability. In other words, you don't get to decide where you start. You don't get to. You don't. You don't, you don't pick your gender. You don't pick your race. You don't pick what side of the tracks you were born on. You don't. You just don't. You don't pick who your parents were. You don't pick your siblings. You didn't pick the school you were at. You didn't pick you. And we can't. But we can steward what we do with what we've been given. And most people are so mad at their opportunity. Instead of stewarding their opportunity. Hmm. Elisha walked into a woman's house. She needed a miracle. This is 2 Kings 4. They were in famine. They were in drought. They had bill collectors coming. It was, it was a terrible season of her life. She didn't choose any of it. She didn't choose any of it. And many of you are in situations you did not choose. And look what he says. What can I do to help you? Well, let me tell her, let me tell you. Her response would have been if he wouldn't have kept talking. She said, I need, I need a financial breakthrough now. The creditors are coming for my sons now. I'm in trouble now. I need you to, I need you to pray or call down fire or do something. Give me money, something. Look what he says. What can I do to help you? Here's how I'm going to help you. Here's how I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you by perspective. I'm going to help you by vision. 
I'm going to help you by seeing. Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have? What did Jesus say? He said, he said those who do not have even what they do have will be taken. What, what do you have? You got anything? I love her response because it, it sounds like me before the Lord changed my heart through his word. And that's what the word does. It changes our heart. Here's what she showed. Nothing. That's why we're talking, bro, because I don't got nothing. And I, I think it's nothing at all, dot, 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 because I think there was a stare off. I think she went, I don't have anything, and I think Elisha went, nothing? Sure about that? For real? Well, uh, I mean, I got, I got a little bottle of olive oil. I got something. The miracle is not in the excess. What did, oh my God, what did, man, I wish I could preach longer. What did Jesus, what did Jesus tell them? I mean, what did Peter and John tell the, the man in John 3? Uh, silver and gold I have not. The miracle was in the deficit. If I had the money, I'd give it to you, but then you wouldn't get your miracle, so you don't need that. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. It was in what they didn't have, but they recognized what they still had. So um, Jesus said, we got 20,000 people to feed. And he looks at his disciples. He said, give them something to eat. And their first response is, we don't have anything. They sound just like this woman. And they sound like a lot of us. We don't have anything. Right. <laughs> well, except uh, I got, uh, we got, uh, come, up, come over here, little, little buddy, come over here. We got a little Long John Silver plate. <laughs> we didn't know people even went to Long John Silver. Jesus, we... <laughs> It's always empty, but somehow it's still open. We don't know how. It... You, know, you know Long John Silver's is a drug laundering company, right? You know that, right? You know they're money laundering. You know they're drug dealers, right? Because there ain't never been anybody in a Long John Silver's. But they're open. So he goes, Lord, this boy went. He's there one customer a day. He, got... <laughs> he said they got... We got some chicken, we got some uh, fish, and well, we don't know what kind of meats over there. We got some fish and some bread. And it, and it was not enough until it touched the hands of Jesus, and then it became more than enough. Two weeks ago, I was in Tulsa preaching uh, for my friend Mike Todd at Transformation Church, and uh, when I, when I, was there, I was talking to Bishop McIntosh. He was the, the, the first pastor of Transformation before it was called Transformation. And we were in the auditorium and, and Bishop looked back at the soundboard. He goes, that's where I met Mike. Nobody knew Mike, but I saw God's hand on him. And then he pointed at the drums. He goes, that's where Mike started. He started being the music director from the drums. Nobody knew Mike, but I saw God's hand on him. And he said, I saw him steward the soundboard. I saw him steward the drum set. And then, I saw, and then I saw him steward the youth ministry. And then I saw him steward as the executive pastor. And he said, I knew something was on him. But it looked small. Until it got really big. And in case you're living under a rock, God's hand is on Mike Todd. He's got like four gazillion Instagram followers and a 
and this massive YouTube following, and he's a New York Times bestseller now with all of his books, and God's, God's hand is on him in such an incredible way, but he didn't start big. Man, Mike Todd's an overnight success. No, he's not. He's a 15-year success when nobody knew his name because it, it started in seed form. Huh. Am I helping anybody today? Did you get something? Did you get something from God today? Come on, did you get something from God today? I, what do you need to steward this week? What small thing do you need to stop despising? Watch God multiply it. Father, in Jesus' name, we come now boldly to your throne of grace. And we're asking, Lord, we we want to be wise. We want to be good and faithful servants. Help us to multiply. In Jesus' name.